the reason why we, we don't see an increased risk of choking with baby led weaning over traditional feeding is because babies are learning to chew and swallow with baby led weaning. It's not like they're just going straight for the let's swallow and go for it. That gag reflex is really what's protecting them. So if they put food in their mouth and they try to swallow it, their tongue will literally, this is way more Judy's area, but I'm just speaking for her. The tongue will literally propel forward and shoot that food back out. That's a very, very crude way of saying it, but essentially it, it, um, it keeps that food from going any further back. And that's why it's a reflex. It's automatic. You're listening to the mommy labor nurse podcast where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday. This week I have a cool episode for you guys. Have you guys heard of Feeding Littles on Instagram? If your baby is close to six months old or somewhere around there, or you have any issues with feeding or you have any questions about feeding, you probably know who Feeding Littles is. They've got over a million followers on Instagram and their page is truly amazing. I've been following them for a while. I love the Judy Reels. (laughs) And if you know what I'm talking about when I say Judy Reels, um, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So yeah, I collaborated with Feeding Littles this week and had them on the podcast to talk to us about starting solids because I know that starting solids is a very overwhelming task. Um, Breastfeeding and feeding your child is a very overwhelming task, but for some reason, you know, once you start thinking about actually feeding them food, it's like, Uh, um, I've been just doing formula and or breast milk for months and months and months. And now I have to add something else to my plate. Like what? (laughs) So there's obviously always a lot of questions and just a lot of information that comes along with starting solids. Personally, I did uh, do baby led weaning with Ryland and I loved it. I thought it was a really, really great way to get my older kiddo involved and, Um, for me not to be sitting there just spoon feeding him. Like I could make his plate, I could make my older one's plate, sit them both down and eat, you know, food myself with him too. So Feeding Littles is going to talk to us all about baby led weaning today and just starting solids in general, some things to look for, signs of readiness, what to do if you're having problems, because we definitely had problems too with Ryland and lots of other great stuff. I know you guys are going to totally love this episode, and this was a really popular, popular request that I got to do. So let's dive right in. This week's podcast episode was brought to you guys by Feeding Littles, who is actually the guest on this podcast episode. They have a really awesome course um, that I thought you guys would really, really love. So I wanted to share a little bit about it. Feeding Littles helps parents of babies, toddlers, and school-age kids find more confidence at mealtime. Co-founders Megan and Judy are pediatric feeding and nutrition professionals who really get kids. They create online courses to teach parents everywhere what they teach their private clients. 
The infant course is for caregivers of babies six months and up and focuses on baby led weaning or infant self-feeding. The toddler kit course was originally designed for one to three-year-olds, but has been used with kids as old as seven years of age. Both courses are fully online and self-paced. Take them when you need them and go back to them on your own time. If you're ready to make your mealtime a little less stressful or prevent issues down the road, head on over to feedinglittles.com. And I have a coupon code for you guys if you want to save on that infant course. It is Mommy Labor Nurse. That is M-O-M-M-Y-L-A-B-O-R-N-U-R-S-E. And that will get you $10 off. All right. And now let's get into Megan and Judy's episode. Hi, Megan and Judy. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so excited because I've been following you guys for a long time and I just, I'm a little bit freaking out because I am excited that I'm meeting you guys, like not in person, but you know, I'm like seeing your faces and talking to you. So thank you guys for being here. Can you guys um, tell our listeners who you guys are and a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Uh, Well, thank you for having us. This is Megan. Um, I have to say, I got some major cool points for actually doing this for my cousin who's pregnant. Oh, cool. She was telling me all about your page. And I was like, well, guess what? Guess what we're going to be doing. So I felt like I was, this is very exciting for us. I felt like I got some major, major points. Um, so, um, we are feeding professionals that help parents learn how to confidently feed their babies, toddlers, and older kids. And we offer online courses and online resources to kind of share our expertise, um, that we've been honing in on for many years in private practice to a wider audience. So Judy, do you want to talk about what you do in private practice? Hi, so I'm Judy Delaware, and many people see me in the reels, um, and in real life, that's kind of who I am with my the kids that I work with. So I'm an occupational therapist, feeding specialist, and lactation counselor. So what I do is, now that the pandemic is kind of behind us, um, I go into people's homes and work with their babies. My specialty is working with kids zero to three. I used to work in the NICU, and babies, mouths, and feeding are my favorite things in the whole world. That is so cool. I didn't realize you were a lactation. You did lactation as well. And that that's so interesting that it's like, it kind of translates to occupational therapy and fee- that, that's really cool. I didn't like put those two together that that is something that people enjoy from the lactation because they're, I mean, they're eating, you know, obviously it's like a specialty in eating when they're breastfeeding and then going to like when they're starting solids. So that's pretty cool. It is. We kind of wondered as OTs, why don't they teach us this? This should just be a thematic class because we look at the oral structures and how they, um, you know, how you position a baby and how how a baby's going to be able to eat at the beginning of their life. So it makes sense. I have a question for you too, going off of that. Do you find that you've seen people who have issues with breastfeeding, like latching issues. They have a lot of issues with feeding later on in life. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, So the the whole oral structure begins um, even before birth, as you probably well learn, you know, when, when a child is first born, you know, they, if they're not sucking right away, we're paying attention to what's going on inside their mouth. So it can, and it not only can affect their feeding, like what they're going to do in their mouth with, with food, it can affect their development of their speech patterns as well. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the cool thing about Judy is she like, this is <laughs> Judy said, I wish we had learned more about feeding in school. I wish I had learned more about feeding therapists in dietetic school. We really didn't talk about, I, I literally didn't know it existed. Yeah. Um, and when I met her, you know, she always was pushing so, so much talking about regular, regular development and, and how that was so important. The whole body development was so important. And I didn't quite understand it for a while. It took me a while to, to get that, like everything builds on itself. So if your child is struggling to bring their hand to their mouth, it's going to be harder for them to feed themselves. And yeah. so that's why, you know, she talks a lot about like infant mouthing toys and letting your child explore their mouth with their hands because they're learning where food should go in their mouth. And they're strengthening those muscles when they bite down on their fingers. And it's just all, you know, things that we don't even realize as parents are really building on each other to help them get to the next step. That's so interesting. Okay. I have another question for you. If we're talking about like, what we're actually going to really, really talk about today. We're talking about like starting solids and food stuff today, guys, because we have feeding littles here today. So I want to know my little one is 11 months old and he is, he bites everything. Like he has been biting everything since he was able to bite. And like he started biting meat, like he's just a biter. Does that, is there any, I mean, he, he does okay with eating, but does that mean anything? Or like, just, are there, are there other kids who like some kids are just biters? Other kids aren't. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that like, eventually when he goes to school, he's going to be like the kid that bites. Cause he literally, I'll be holding him. He just bite, but you know, just, he bites everything. Okay. I, I, I have to take this one and I have to tell you something to begin with. So okay. knowing what you guys know, and I don't think Megan and I are always like, saying things to each other. And I'm like, did you know that about me? Did you, I didn't know this about you, but our son who is now 27 was actually excused from a daycare because he bit somebody. Not one. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. Well, the good news was three was times, one, three times. Yeah. Wow. So the good news we had, yeah. And listen to this. You're going to love this. I was about to have our second child. It was my last day of work. And we were also going to be moving out of state, but it was a very stressful time. And I was like, I cannot believe this. This has just happened. But so let's, oh, I always ask the question, why is it happening? So yeah. we know that kids put things in their mouth because it feels good and they're always erupting teeth. There's always going to be some kind of construction yeah. going on underneath the guns. And when that's happening, biting on things feel really good. So you said your little one is 11 months old now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So does he have two bottom teeth yet? He has eight teeth, actually. <laughs> he's got a mouthful of teeth. <laughs> so because he's got those bottom teeth and top teeth, there's probably, he's probably getting, everything is coming in very quickly for him. So that's the good news is, you know, that there's teeth there, but it is a natural need for, for the child to be able to place things in their mouth and to bite down on things. And our job as parents is, is to be able to give him something appropriate to bite on. And as he's learning to bite, to learn to bite it in the most appropriate way inside of his mouth. So I, I can do a visual with you, but that doesn't help our listeners. But if he's doing a lot of things where he's biting right in the front of his mouth, what you want to do is you want to encourage him biting into that back area. We call it the molar or molar surface. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the chewing takes place. So so the question I always ask parents is if they uh, the child is biting a lot, like almost kind of like every time you turn around, is 
why, 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 why? Is he getting a lot of input from that? Does he need some type of an input? And a way of being able to give him something else besides biting is maybe giving him something that has more, either more texture to eat or something with a higher sensory property. So maybe something like pickles or or something that's going to be a lot more crunchy that might have texture and crunch and give him that auditory, you know, the sound through his ears. Yeah. So find that and see if that does the trick and placing it in the back. That's very interesting because he, he does have a texture thing. Like even when I was starting solids, he eats a lot more fruit and kind of soft stuff, but he always went for crunchy stuff. Like he is such a, like I say, even now he's like my crunchy, crunchy boy. Like as he eats, like just like he'll, he'll eat the little veggie sticks. He'll eat, he likes toast. That's like crunch, you know, he just like, he likes that. So that's, it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So offer, offer things that are going to fill that need for his body. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice on like, I, I feel bad because I, maybe it's just, I, you're right. I need to find something for him. That's like appropriate for him to bite that I'm not like, no, because half the time I'm like, don't bite that. Don't bite the pillow. Don't bite my shoulder. Don't put, and then it's like, you know, they get, it's like a negative thing and I don't want, it's not negative. Right. I mean, they, they're babies. Right. And, and we recommend on our, on our Amazon shop on feeding littles, we have a whole bunch of teethers that can be appropriate for a wide range of kids. And even though your child might be 11 months old and you'd say, well, does he still need a teether? He's just not little anymore. So I, you have the advantage, you're going to see this. So when, so this is called a flexi. And again, if you go onto our Amazon shop and go under our teething devices, you can find things that are more rubbery that Mm -hmm. feel really good inside of a child's mouth. Another thing is just you know, little tiny toothbrushes. Oh, yeah. Really, really good in their mouth. Biting on something that is an appropriate thing instead of, you know, on top of the crib, you know, the wood on the coffee table, (laughs) Um, your finger, my fingers, my shoulder, my, yeah. All, all of the things. Exactly. Yeah. Well, before we talk about, we talk about, in, cause I want to talk about introducing solids today. Cause a lot of my listeners are, um, either pregnant or they just had babies or they're second time moms that, you know, have maybe done feeding, you know, they have an older baby and they're getting ready to have another baby and going to start baby led weaning. Um, so I do want to talk about introducing solids, but before we talk about that, I'm actually really curious how you guys got feeding little started. If you are willing to share. Um, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes we wonder that too. <laughs> how does this happen? Um, we, it was a, it was very much like a God project, an angel project for us. Um, Judy had been working for many, many years in Colorado as a feeding therapist and occupational therapist in a few different roles, but had been doing OT, like private practice for a long time in feeding. And, um, I was in Arizona. Um, I had already had my first baby had gotten laid off my, like, literally I got laid off on January 2nd of 2013. And I was due January 22nd. So oh, those wow. of you who are pregnant right now can understand that like anxiety of, yeah. yeah, we worked for a startup. So there weren't a lot of legal, you know, protections. And, um, at the time, you know, you think this is the worst thing that can happen to you. And then I got in a car accident on my due date. It was kind of a hot oh my mess. Gosh. And so, um, I just remember thinking like, what, why is this happening? Why is this all happening like this? You know, what is, what am I supposed to learn from this? 
And I started going down for lactation support to a, actually a birth center locally. I didn't even give birth there. It's called Baby Moon Inn. It's a wonderful place. And I went to lactation support there. And they said, you need to start teaching here. We'd love to have you as a dietitian teach here and teach prenatal classes. So I started doing that. And then they said, why don't you teach baby led weaning? It's this thing. It's really popular in Europe. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. And they were really um, positive about, you know, learning about this. And so I did a lot of research myself at the time. There was just not that much information out, especially in the professional spheres. And um, I actually, I, you know, I I started doing literature reviews and really digging into it and started teaching it locally to really just small groups of families. And it was kind of this, like, you're kind of, I was kind of this you know, a weirdo who just taught this, nobody knew what this was. And like, why are you doing this? Because no, it would seem so out there mm-hmm. at the time. And then, um, I had started a Facebook group and everyone started getting excited about, you know, their babies and they would support each other. And it was a really nice way to have a community, but then those babies turned into toddlers. And if you have a toddler at home, you might relate that one day they love everything. And the next day, all they want is pasta. And it's really frustrating because you feel like you put so much effort and time in introducing them to all the things. And now suddenly it's like, there's all they like is mac and cheese and chicken nuggets. And it's like, what happened to my baby that loved all the foods Mm -hmm. and our audience, my audience was saying, I want you to create a resource for this. And I'm like, I don't know how to get kids to eat. Well, at the same time, you know, I know what to put on their plate. I don't know how to actually like encourage them to eat it. And at the same time, my friend had just come back from Colorado and she was visiting her family and visiting Judy. Her name is Sarah. And she, um, she was one of her son, Jack, Jack was one of Judy's patients, one of his, her, her clients, because Jack had a terminal, um, at the time it was a terminal genetic condition called SMA. Mm-hmm. And so when he was alive, he was only alive for six months. Judy was his feeding therapist. So, um, they had moved back to Arizona, but when they go back to Colorado to visit family, they always saw Judy and she comes back and she goes, Megan, you need to meet her. Like you, you guys would love each other. You, yeah. This is perfect. And yeah. at the time I'm like, oh, I do want to write a course for toddlers. Maybe I just like consult with her, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I didn't agree to that. Cause I would have owed, I would have owed her so much money, like uh, her <laughs> hourly rate. I could never have afforded it. Um, so we decided we talked to the phone and it was just this like magical, like we can do something together. And so instead of doing it through my business or her business, we decided to create our own. And the name of the Facebook group was called Feeding Littles Group that it just kind of came, I don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. And we turned it into an actual business. And so that's kind of where it started. And it took us many years to kind of figure out how to get to our audience and find our people mm-hmm. and grow our community. Um, but that's kind of what happened. And then we ended up putting a toddler course out and then a, an infant course out after after that. So it's, it's been an evolution the whole time, but it's really cool to, cause we also talk so much more than just about starting solids or picky eating. We talk a lot about, um, bigger issues surrounding food and bodies and, you know, um, intuitive eating. And that's actually what I was trained in originally. That's like what so much of my passion and Judy's passion is so much in connecting to your family through food mm-hmm. and having those positive mealtime experiences. So we try to really help our audience see like the bigger picture and not obsessing about every little bite and every plate, but more about what experiences are, are we creating for our family and what are we teaching our kids about food and their bodies? I love that. I'm actually doing a lot of work with intuitive eating personally myself. And naturally that's translated to my children too, and feeding my children and how I talk to my children. So I love that, that, that you have that 
behind it as well. Well, cool. Well, guys, we, I obviously we're going to be talking about solids today. So I want to, I want to ask you guys if someone is, let's say baby is less than six months old, they're thinking about starting solids and they're starting to feel like overwhelmed about the process. Where would you say they should start? Yeah. So the first thing we really want to do is make certain baby is ready mm-hmm. and easy things would be just as simple as what is their sitting looks look like? What uh, is their attention span? Are they paying it? Like if they're sitting on your lap when you're eating, are they looking at your food while you're attempting to put it into your mouth? Mm-hmm. Are they attempting to grab it and kind of doing the open mouth following the trajectory into your mouth with that food? Mm-hmm. Those are all beautiful signs of readiness of what's going to happen. A lot of times we'll get messages from families saying, oh, my child is four months old and uh, our pediatrician said, go ahead and start solids. Mm-hmm. And you know there are some some real um, triggers that we want to look for to make certain that that baby is ready um, to be able to put some food in their mouth. Um, And sitting is one. And it's not just because, oh, we want them sitting in the high chair. Sitting has a lot to do with the stability of the core, the, you know, the, the jaw and the upper quadrant, like, you know, from their ears to their shoulders. And if that stability and strength isn't there, the food is going to go in their mouth and come right back out. For that reason, along with um, they might still have a jaw, a, um, a tongue protrusion. Mm-hmm. So that just that's just a protector that the food just kind of keeps popping out and popping out. So the things that you want to look for is what you know is baby ready, and if baby's ready, then we can start talking about like some of the very first things that we would recommend. Me- Megan, you want to take it from here? Yeah, I was going to say, I want to know what are some of the foods that you recommend that people start with? Because I think that's overwhelming in in yes. and of itself. Like, oh my gosh, what do we even start with? Do I start with a banana or do I start with right. some this, that, and the other? So yeah, let's talk about some of the yeah. foods that you should start with. Yes. And you know why even though we have an online course, we still teach this in person. Judy teaches this to families every day and I still teach it every month in person. And I, cool. I see the faces of our, our clients and I know the anxiety, you know, I did this with both of my kids too. It's you're like, Oh my gosh. And just to back up really fast, just so people, if people don't know what baby led weaning is. I just want to give an offer a definition because yeah. it sounds like it means letting your baby decide when to stop breastfeeding, mm-hmm. but really the term weaning in the rest of the world means, um, how to start solid foods. So baby led starting solid foods, Mm. we kind of, we call it infant self-feeding often because Mm -hmm. it makes a little bit more sense for those of us in the U S. Um, but it essentially means like, how are you starting them? And are, and in this, in this way, you're letting them feed themselves from the start. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of intensity about baby led weaning online. Um, intensity is kind of how I like to describe like some, some places you'll go in and it will seem like it's just so rigid and rules driven and that there's no flexibility. And that's really not where the feeding science lies. That's not what we experience with clients or what, what, what we see in the literature at all. Um, we don't need to have some of these rules that you might read about are arbitrary. So before you stop listening to this going like, I'm, I'm not doing this because it just seems like there's too many rules. Please understand that that's not how we teach it at all. Um, but essentially you offer your baby stick shape or, um, like finger shaped pieces of food, because at at six months of age, your baby has a great grasp, a Palmer grasp where they can hold onto something like your earrings 
or your necklace (laughs) or your hair and hold on tight, but they can't accurately open their palm to release that food into their mouth. And they don't have what's known as a pincer grasp, which is that kind of end of the thumb to end of the, you know, forefinger where they can pick up a small piece of food. So logically you think, okay, they're little, give them tiny, tiny, tiny pieces of food, but they can't pick it up. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't help. It actually makes a baby very frustrated. It's like giving you a fork and then tying your hands behind your back and saying, good luck. Oh, you, don't know how yeah. to, you don't know how to use it. You can't yeah. use it. So um, we recommend foods that are soft and fork tender um, that your baby can easily, you know, put in their little tiny fist and maybe some, you can hand it to your, your baby and put it in their fist as well, or they can pick it up from the tray mm-hmm. and then they put it in their own mouth. And so things that are soft and fork tender that are, are the most popular foods to start with are banana, avocado, and cooked sweet potato. Those are kind of the most popular first feeding, um, I almost said first feeding little foods, first baby led weaning <laughs> foods. Um, but you know, it, the point of baby led weaning is really to give your baby a chance to eat the foods that you're eating as a family. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, if you were eating broccoli and salmon and mashed potatoes for dinner, you would give your baby a stock of broccoli, a strip of salmon, and maybe a pile of mashed potatoes that they could explore with their hands, or you could put it on a loaded spoon and allow them to hold the spoon themselves and bring it to their own mouth. So there's not one right food to start with. We just recommend not offering choking, true choking hazard foods or anything with honey in it. So as long as you're avoiding those, you know, it's a pretty wide range of foods. I love that. Yeah. I do want to talk about choking too, because I know that is something that a lot of people are really, really nervous about and that they hear, oh, I don't want to do baby led weaning because like, I'm afraid that my baby's going to choke or gagging is really, really scary. So while I'm on that subject, why don't we get into that? And maybe you guys can bust that myth of choking versus gagging and what that looks like. And well, like one of the things that was really clear to me, cause I did baby led, I successfully did baby led weaning with my second one. I didn't do it with my first one, but I did it with my second one. And it made so much sense to me to see him like be able to pick up a whole, you know, piece of banana versus me cutting it up in little pieces. He had so much more control over how much was getting in his mouth. So I actually was like not afraid of him choking at all because I felt like he had so much control. If I was putting little tiny things on his plate and him picking it up, I would think like, oh, there's this bigger object in his mouth. And I'm worried that he's going to get it up. But like, if he's holding it, he has control more. Um, and we have the little footstool. I know that's like a good thing, you know, like positioning is really important. So I want you guys to talk about that because I know that a lot of people are worried about choking and gagging and like, they think that baby led weaning, you know, you're more likely to choke. So let's, let's go into that. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This Birth It Up Baby says, My second was born on 12-15-20. We decided to do things naturally at a birth center, very different from my first born in a hospital with an epidural. I took your course as a refresher, but also for tips on how to do it naturally. Your tip about telling yourself it's going to get worse seemed odd when I heard it, but I tried it out and it really worked. I had a very fast labor, three hours from my first contraction to baby in arm. 
I kept telling myself that it was going to get harder every contraction. We arrived at the birth center and he was born 20 minutes later. I had no idea that I was in transition and ready to deliver until I felt the pressure of his head. So playing mind games helped me stay calm during a very fast birth and I was able to accomplish my natural birth. So great. If you want to learn more about the class that she took, she took Birth It Up, the Natural Series. And if you head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the Natural Series, you can learn more. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. So many, so many things to talk about in yeah. so little time. <laughs> I, okay. Uh, in no particular order, but it, the most important thing that we have to talk about is, first of all, all parents, all adults should be knowledgeable in, in the Heimlich on how to be able to do it on an adult, how to be able to handle a a toddler and how to be able to handle an infant. As a, as a person of my age, I think I have administered the Heimlich on adults, maybe eight times in my whole life. And I've never, ever had to rescue a baby ever. Now that's not to say that baby, because I know babies can get themselves in trouble because they're, you know, they get a little bit ahead of themselves, Mm -hmm. but it's very important, no matter who you are, to be able to rescue somebody, no matter no matter who you're dealing with, whether you have a small child in the house or never will have a small child in the house. But I'm gonna I'm gonna address a couple things, and that is we all have or we all should have a gag reflex, and our gag reflex is there to protect your airway. And when a child is first born. They're constantly putting their fingers in their mouth and their their hands near their mouth, and they're pushing that gag reflex further and further and further back. Mm -hmm. So as that gag reflex actually reverts and tends to go further back into the mouth, and it it it, you will continue to have a gag reflex as you age, but the child will learn that things do go in my mouth and I do something with my my tongue and my teeth and my cheeks and all of that works together with my lips to be able to swallow food. And it's important for a baby to know how to do that. Now, when a, when a family says, I don't want to do baby lead weaning, here, here is what I recommend. I'm okay if you choose to do a puree and stay with purees for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. And here's why. If you start your baby at six months, let's say you start your baby just sitting in the high chair at six months. And by the time they're seven months, because that's realistic, you know, they might not be doing a whole lot. They're playing with it. They're touching it. They're seeing it. They're observing. They're learning that way. So by the time they're seven months, they're starting to maybe grab a handful of puree, bringing it to their mouth. We have a very short period of time for that baby to learn things go in their mouth and they learn to swallow. Mm -hmm. And it is a process. It is a true developmental process. And it's very important for parents to understand that process that kids can get stuck if you let them linger in purees. And that I think if, if listeners are hearing that and they realize, okay, I'm not comfortable starting with baby led weaning or infant led weaning or infant led feeding. Um, Allow them to start with something that you are comfortable with because kids perceive if you're anxious, kids perceive that. And if you're really, really worried about that, let's not, let's not, let's just take that off the table. Start with what you're comfortable with and move towards something that you're more comfortable with and allowing the baby to do the next step. 
The next piece that I always like to talk about is the way a kid grasps. And in the beginning, just like what Megan described, if a child wants to grasp something long, like the size of a finger, that's the first part of development that actually comes into play. And then when they learn to do pincer, that's when we start cutting food up for them. Mm. There's a reason why they can't pick up pincer food when they're seven or eight months old. And that's because they wouldn't know what to do with it. They would probably just swallow it. And that's more that's more um, ineffective because they're not really learning to be able to chew at that stage. Mm-hmm. So I think those are some ground rules that I tend to have. And, and, and also because I work with kids that um, baby lead weaning is not appropriate for, I mean, not, baby lead weaning is not appropriate for every single baby uh, to begin with. Um, if, if they've had some developmental issues, if they've had a tongue tie or a lip tie and they're not moving their tongue appropriately to move that lateralize that food, they're not going to be able to do a good job moving their food from side to side. So I, I think when it comes to the choking piece, I think that is the number one question that parents have. And there are ways of being able to understand you can introduce a puree on a piece of like a piece of broccoli. You know, you can do something like that. But the goal is if the child can't feel it in their own hand, the chances of them putting in their mouth, putting the food in their mouth is probably less likely. Mm -hmm. And, and I think both Megan and I will agree that if we can teach parents allowing their babies to at least feed themselves, they will see a bigger amount of progress um, with their child being introduced to solids than them doing the spoon feeding piece. Yeah. I I love that. I want to add to that if that's okay. Cause I, um, I think in the baby led weaning world, you know, it's the assumption is my baby will choke because we are so unfamiliar with seeing babies feed themselves finger shaped or, you know, finger foods, essentially that are like stick shaped the size of your index finger for a lot of people that is very foreign. And I think the reason why, you know, now I walk into a class full of parents and say, you know, let's talk about baby led weaning or what it is, or, you know, if you're interested in it and almost all of them know what it is. And that's because we've seen it now. We've mm-hmm. seen kids do it. We've seen babies do it. Our friends have done it with their kids. It's a lot more comfortable and familiar. Mm-hmm. And really what the science supports, which is really interesting, we don't have any um, studies to prove that baby has to take puree off of a spoon to learn how to eat successfully. It's, I was fascinated by that. Every single study says traditionally, by tradition. And this all, you know, all started back in the early 1900s when um, baby food became really popular because formula was considered kind of the modern clean way of feeding babies and breastfeeding was considered, um, not, not proper. Yeah. And so babies were getting formula, but at the time there was no way to fortify formula the way we can now and add those nutrients that are so critical. And so babies were becoming anemic really early, really young. And, um, we, we realized we needed another way to give them those nutrients. And that was through complementary or supplemental foods. So even in my father-in-law's baby book, he was like five or six weeks of age when he was trying broccoli and squash and all these different things. And it almost became a competition between, you know, providers, pediatricians to see how young they could feed babies. Sometimes as early as a few days of age. 
Wow. Yes. That, that's why puree, that's why commercial pureed baby food became so popular is because we needed a liquefied way, a liquefied food way to give the food to babies. That's not how babies were always fed before that. We didn't have technology to be able to even make baby food. Yeah. So I think when parents hear that and they learn that, you know, we've known for so long that finger foods are safe as of six to seven months. And now we know not to wait till, not to wait on, you know, don't give babies food until closer to six months anyway. Yeah. We can skip the part of the liquefied food that we put in their mouth. Now, here's, here's something that's important to know is that, you know, if you want to do purees, like Judy said, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, pureed, it's not technically baby led weaning by definition, but purees do, do play a part in our, our diet. So, so the difference really is like, you don't necessarily need to puree down everything you eat to give to your baby, Mm -hmm. but we do want them exposed to that texture through things that you already eat that are that texture, like applesauce. I mean, a lot of us like applesauce. Mm -hmm. We like, you know, pureed soups. We like guacamole and hummus and things that are, you know, mashed potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes. We eat those things as adults. It is still important for our babies to eat those things. Um, but kind of alluding to what Judy had said at the very beginning, the reason why we we don't see an increased risk of choking with baby led weaning over traditional feeding is because babies are learning to chew and swallow with baby led weaning. It's not like they're just going straight for the let's swallow and go for it. That gag reflex is really what's protecting them. So if they put food in their mouth and they try to swallow it, their tongue will literally, this is way more Judy's area, but I'm just speaking for her. The tongue will literally propel forward and shoot that food back out. That's a very, very crude way of saying it, but essentially it, it, um, it keeps that food from going any further back. And that's why it's a reflex. It's Mm -hmm. automatic. Um, so when babies do this, they learn through practice, Oh, chew and swallow, chew and swallow. Otherwise they'll continue to gag. And Judy wants them to, you know, gagging is expected. We just want to see it get better with time, we don't want them to stay stuck in that gagging phase. And if they are, that's when she oftentimes recommends backing up and trying, you know, purees on loaded spoons to make sure that they can swallow that texture. Okay. Um, but a lot of parents think like I have to choose baby led weaning or I have to choose spoon feeding and they think they're going to get stuck on those paths forever. Friends, you, your baby does have to feed themselves real food at some point. Eventually, so right. <laughs> They need to do it. So that you're just kind of choosing your path as you start. You're not making a choice of like, I'm doing spoon feeding and purees forever. And Judy really doesn't want them getting stuck there for too long. You do want to progress off of that pretty quickly. Yeah. So that's a very long response from the both of us to your question. But... That's okay. Love it. Can I add one yes, really sure. important Vomiting is never, ever to be expected with feeding. And okay. let me just say, if, if a child has eaten too much, they might vomit. Mm -hmm. If they're sick, they might vomit and and vomiting comes from that. But I, we get many, many, many messages and parents will say, Oh my, okay. My kid's been gagging for like six months. That's not normal. Mm -hmm. And if they're vomiting, you know, they're either being overfed or there's something wrong. So I just, I want to just put that out there because we never really expect that to be part of the developmental um, steps of feeding. It shouldn't, that shouldn't take place, you know? So I just, I have to say that. No, I love that question. So if they are vomiting, what do you recommend doing? Like going back a step or? We have to at first ask the question, why? What's happening? Okay. What is happening? Uh, how old's a kid? Why is it happening? Are they moving their food? 
can they eat? Like if you step them down, yeah. can, they, can they swallow a puree? Can they swallow water? What yeah. What's going on? Is it a swallowing? Is it a, is it a true swallowing issue? Is it a sensory learned issue in the swallowing process? What's the difference? Gotcha. And, and some of our clients will experience like a very, the, their baby will gag really hard and vomit one time. Yeah. And that might be the end of it, you know, at the very beginning when they've started, but Judy's always looking at progression. So like, are we seeing this continue? Are we seeing gagging not get better? Mm-hmm. Um, from a nutritional standpoint, if vomiting happens a few minutes after food and it's very frequent, it's something that's happening a lot. Definitely bring that up to your doctor as well. Um, because there are some conditions mm-hmm. that cause vomiting, um, projectile vomiting after they, they eat. So I think there's just, there's so many things that can happen when you start solids, you know, obviously we're hoping that people get a positive experience and that, um, that it goes smoothly for them. But in case it doesn't definitely bring it up to your doctor because you just, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And it's worth mentioning. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Well, I want to talk about one last thing too. And that is something that I experienced with Ryland is I started and I was like really, really excited about him starting. And then he was just not into it. He would poke at his food and play with his food. And I thought that was, you know, like, why is he not interested? Like it took him a while to really like catch on to like, this is food. I have to put this in my mouth. This I'm eating. So he didn't even eat food for a few weeks or a month after I introduced it. So I guess my question is, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody if they have a baby who, or is that just normal that every baby kind of does that there where they start and they don't, they're not eating food for a few weeks. Um, is that something that you would expect or what would, what advice would you give to somebody if they start baby led weaning and maybe it's not going, you know, the way that they thought it was going to go. It's normal. Yeah. And Judy, the cool thing about Judy is like, you know, in the baby led weaning world, they just say, we'll just keep giving them food, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And while that is definitely one of our first recommendations, if you're feeling like it's not working out, you know, it's like, okay, they're really not getting there. We have in our course, we actually have a whole troubleshooting section on this and some techniques that Judy uses with clients. But again, bring it up to your provider, because if you're getting to that, you know, closer to that one year um, mark and your baby's still not interested in food, not putting food in their mouth, not chewing or swallowing at that point, and even practicing for many months, we definitely want to see what's going on. Um, It is very normal for them to play when this starts and the term baby led weaning or baby led is really important here. Your baby will lead the dance. So at the beginning, you want to make sure you're sitting down and eating together because they have to see what they're supposed to do to imitate it. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know what it looks like, it's hard for them to know how to do it themselves. So make sure you're definitely eating together. You're eating foods that look pretty similar so you can, you know, show them, Ooh, yum, you know, mm-hmm. zucchini, I'm eating this and we're eating this together. Um, but if they're not progressing, if it seems like they're not that interested and they're not, it's not clicking yet, which it has to do for many babies, we recommend bumping up exposures to food instead of doing it once a day, which is, you know, we recommend at least once a day when you start working up to nine, um, three times, not t- nine times a day. I was like, again. okay, whoa, <laughs> once a day when you start three times a day by nine months. There it Got is. It. Okay. 
And that's obviously with some flexibility, if there's illness, if you get home too late, you know, they're still getting most of their nutrition from milk, but this is all about exposure and practice. So if your baby's six and a half, seven, seven and a half months old, and you've been doing one time a day and it's like, they're just not getting it. They need more experience. They need more practice. So let them have another shot at, um, at more, more opportunities, more exposures, if you will, and see if twice a day or even three times a day helps them figure it out. That makes sense. I kind of equate it to like swimming lessons. So my older one is in swimming lessons and like they say, okay, if you just go once a week, you know, then he'll eventually get it. But like, if you really want them to learn how to, you have to like get them in the pool every day. You have to go to these camps that it's like every day or do lessons three times a week because they have to be exposed to it. So if you have any older kids who are in swimming lessons, kind of like, you know, baby like winning. We'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. Lots oh gosh. Like years of swimming lessons. You're giving me a little bit of PTSD I'm now sorry. that my kids are literally, they're out of camp now swimming on their own, but the years and years that leads up to it, you know, it's, yeah. It can be intense. Yeah. My older one is four and a half. So he's, he's, we're almost to the point where he's like independent, but he's still, we're still working on it, but it just reminded me of that because he is in swimming lessons now. So that is something that they told us that, okay, you know, like let's, you got, you got to go a lot to be able to learn yeah. how to do it, which makes sense. I mean, if you think about practice. anything, yeah. If you just do it once a week versus like you're doing it every single day, you're it's naturally going to come easier to you. Well, cool guys. Well, thank you so much, Megan and Judy for joining me. Um, I encourage everyone to check out baby led weaning. I'm super into it because I was able to do it, um, successfully. And one of the, one of the things that really drew it, like, like one of the, one of the things that I really liked about baby led weaning versus not doing it with my first one is I hated the, task, I guess, of sitting down and feeding my baby and not being able to eat myself. Like I felt like, okay, it's fun at first. Like, okay, yay. But now I'm like, I'm hungry too. I want to eat. So it was really fun to be able to prep my four-year-old's food and prepped my, you know, prep my six month, he's 11 months now, but prep my other one's food and prep my food. And we all sat down together. And my older one was eating at the same time as my little one. And he was, you know, showing him how to eat too. And like his whole thing was he loved to deliver the plate. I would make the, I would put the stuff on the plate and my four-year-old would go over and like give it to my little one. So it's just, it's just fun to like get it. I feel like it's a way to get the whole family involved. So definitely encourage everybody to check out baby led weaning. If you're at that age and starting solids, um, I feel like there's probably a lot of education that you can do before, you're even ready at that six month mark. Like I know I started reading stuff before my baby was even, you know, close to six months to kind of like get myself um, to know a little bit more about it. But I want you to guys, I want you guys to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and courses that you guys have. Cause I know you guys have tons and tons of resources. Uh, sure. Yeah, we are at Feeding Littles. I'm looking at Judy deciding who's going to take it because we both speak <laughs> for each other so much. Um, okay. We are at feedinglittles.com. Um, and I believe you do have a coupon. We have a coupon code for your audience yep. too under Mommy Labor Nurse Yep. Um, for, I think, $10 off. Um, and then we are all over Instagram. That's kind of where we live. So if you have, if you're up in the middle of the night and you want to look at 
interesting information. Not only do we have posts, but we have tons of highlights and we always have stories. So interesting things to check out there. We're on Pinterest and Facebook as well at, at feeding littles. Um, but I, I wanted to just share that, you know, the, the reason we created the online course, honestly, was because people wanted everything in one spot and they wanted to hear from people that were, that had done this not only with their kids, but with their clients and had, you know, that background in feeding. Um, and so the course isn't just like, this is how you do it, but it includes grocery lists. It includes, um, a meal plan, which I say that I don't even like that word. I say it because people people like meal plans because it it gives them a sense of like, this is what I do. It's just a, an idea sheet essentially of like what you could offer throughout the week. Um, it includes a constipation strategies handout, an ebook all about milk and weaning. So when the time comes and you're, you're, you want to be done with breastfeeding or bottle feeding, how do you do that? And Judy has like a million tips in there and that's included in the course. So it's kind of one resource that draws it all together in a video-based format. So you can actually see babies eating and see what it looks like. Um, we talk tons about safety. There's videos of babies gagging and what that is, um, you know, resources for you to print out. It's, it's kind of a way for us to share our expertise in one place and, and reach more people instead of just, you know, the one-on-one that we also love to do as well. Um, but it's, it's $59 before the, the coupon code. So it'd be $49 with the code. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I think this is a perfect episode for anybody who's interested in baby led weaning to tune in. And I know a lot of people are going to come and follow you and get your course. So thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Thanks again to Megan and Judy for joining me on this week's episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Once again, I just wanted to remind you guys, if you want to check out their infant feeding course, I do have a code. It is Mommy Labor Nurse, M-O-M-M-Y-L-A-B-O-R-N-U-R-S-E, and that will save you $10 off of their infant feeding course. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.